Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a Game Week edition of Pod by the Bay, proudly presented by the Bay Area Examiner. I'm your host, Nathan Bond. Uh, Join alongside me, as always, Seth Varnador and Robert Stieg, and two special guests. Uh, you know them, you love them from the Block Boy Roundtable. We've got our beautiful podcast producer, Anthony Vito, on board, and from DraftKings Network. Yes. Yes, change the <laughs> network. Uh, Nick Simon, um, also of the Blog Boy Roundtable. Uh, we are here. A little quick little hitter this week. We've uh, not much has changed in the way of USF football since the bye. Um, teams are healthier, uh, which is a good sign, and we'll we'll kind of get into it. Um, we are squarely in November, and. Somehow, guys, we there's only four games left in the season, and then it's another nine months of waiting. And I don't know how this always happens. Um, Andy Bernard has this uh, kind of quote at, toward the end of the office where it's like, I wish I knew we were in the good old days when we were in the good old days and not afterward. And uh, through you know, nine, ten weeks of the season, it's been fun and interesting and chaotic at times but we're in the home stretch the bulls travel to memphis for a 3 p.m kick on espn plus the first game usf has played this season not on cable anywhere which uh is a good sign um also uh this week is full of bangers uh, across the country so yeah Sometimes, sometimes you get the short end of the stick when you travel to Memphis and you're four and four. Um, but you know, Nick and, and Vito, we haven't really had you on um, to kind of dissect or at least kind of give your opinion of how the season's played out so far. So, real quick, Nick, first eight weeks of the season, just your diagnosis of where you thought they'd be, where they are, and where they can go to the end of the season. Yeah, man, definitely, definitely ahead of schedule. I think you guys have uh, touched on this. And basically, if if you asked before the season if this team was going to be four and four heading into November with a legit shot at going to a bowl game, you absolutely take that every single time, you know. And they've looked like a team that's like rebuilding and learning how to win. You know, they've had their you know, they've had their incredible perform, great performances. Obviously, we all remember the Alabama game, the defense playing out of their mind. Rice win was Rice win was great. Navy game was great, which I was in uh, attendance. That was really cool. Then they've had, you know, sort of middling performances, like obviously UConn a couple of weeks ago where they had to rally, rally the troops in the fourth quarter. And then obviously bad performances like UAB, terrible FAU terrible you don't want to get 56 points dropped on your head back to back weeks but overall you know when you're talking thinking about this in terms of a program that's trying to dig itself out of the grave it's been pretty it's been pretty fun in my opinion Vito same question yeah, I mean, when you just look at it, four and four at this point at the bye week, absolutely. That that I think that UConn game looked pretty rough for the first three quarters, and he going into the fourth, and then they did a little mini comeback. And I'm kind of hoping that ends up 
kind of defining the end of the season here because you can two very winnable games, at least in your head, in Temple and Charlotte, but you're on the road against Memphis. Then you go on the road against UTSA in two in a couple weeks. And uh they're 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 uh AAC telecontenders. So what can you do against them? I mean, dropping fifty points to UAB and FAU kind of shifted shifted your view on what the heck was going on there. I mean, those are a tough couple games to watch, but frankly, it shouldn't really matter. You you won four games. The previous regime, you've already beat their their win their win or their win record. I mean, I think we would all take this 100 percent of the way, and I think you could start seeing the bits and pieces. And I mean, I love what this coaching staff has done. Frankly, I mean, it's hard to say throw away those losses, but throw away those losses and take a look at what progress is doing, and it's not necessarily linear. So, uh, I really enjoyed it. I like the I, I like that how dynamic the coach is and how um, uh, aggressive he is as well. So uh, it's a bit of a difference from the previous regime. Uh, agreed. And as we kind of gear toward Memphis, three o'clock ESPN plus on Saturday, uh, this team is a 13 and a half point underdog, according to DraftKings. Um, they are going to need some luck. We kind of, we talk, we'll talk about it in the Ponderosa this week, uh, turnover luck. Uh, we'll go deeper into the numbers um, regarding that game. Seth and I will. Uh, the thing that we needed most was this bye week, right? This team was banged up. Um, head coach out of school was on Tuesday, uh, Halloween, kind of gave some status updates with some guys. Uh, Steeg, I'm going to ask you to kind of give the rundown of what Goish mentioned uh, about some injuries and uh, hopefully this team's going to be as close to 100% as they possibly can in the last month of the season. Yeah. Um, so first off, uh, Golish's press conferences are always entertaining. Uh, at least the first couple of questions are are usually not the, the brightest in the room. So you get some pretty uh, hilarious uh, responses of like, you know, hey, coach, did the bye week come at the right time? Well, we didn't schedule it, so it was uh, at the time that it was. So those are always fun to get. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, Goal kind of alluded to the team, and he double-checked this with his SID, that the team is the healthiest that it's been since the beginning of the season, uh, mentioning four players by name with uh, Andrew Kilfoyle, Zane Herring, Kelly Joyner, and Shafri Brown were back. Uh, and his quote was, back practicing for two of them and then saying back to full speed for, uh, you know, talking about Choffrey Brown, Kelly, uh, you know, I, I don't believe that coaches usually mince their words too much. I think they're very purposeful with what they're saying. Um, you know, just because they're healthy and, and, you know, playing at full speed doesn't mean that they're necessarily back ready for game time action. So that's something to kind of watch. Um, but I, I think, you know, like you said, Nathan, it's, it's the, the bye week came at the time where they really needed it, where they needed guys back healthy. They needed extra break. <clears throat> they needed that kind of mental, okay, let's stop for a second. They played eight straight weeks of, of football. That's, <laughs> you know, I, I want the team to be tuned in. I want the team to be ready to go. I want the team to be wired in. But, man, they're they're 18 to 23. Uh, Sands, Andrew Stokes being uh, 36 years old. You know, these are all young guys who, you know, they need their breaks. They need their time off. They need to go home and visit family. They need to go. A bunch of them went to a uh, bole for a, uh, NIL fundraiser. So, you know, getting them back out into the crowd, getting them back out of the, uh, the external world things was, was kind of nice. So I think that bye week came at uh, a really good time, even though they didn't schedule it. 
Seth, I wanted to ask you as a former coach, what are some of the things that coaches do during the bye week? You know, self-scouting wise, like what uh, self-scouting, recruiting, kind of what's the priority during that open week other than making sure your kids don't get into trouble during the bye week? Yeah, I mean, I think one big one is like health. That's always a big one. And we, we've heard that that seems to be uh, moving in a positive direction for USF. I mean, depending on uh, the game, you know, we've used bye weeks in the past to really kind of really add some stuff to a game plan. If we had a really big game coming off the bye week and really kind of go a little bit extra. And that does kind of dig into the self-scouting where you're seeing what you're, you know, you dig into yourself a little bit see what tendencies other people may be seeing and maybe put a few things in to break those tendencies in the next game. Um, there, there's stuff like that. And then, you know, I, I think not being, especially now it's kind of being lighter on the players and that kind of goes back to the health thing, but letting those guys get out a little bit, get away, give them some time off, especially if you're coming off a big win on the road. I'm sure they gave them some time to refresh, get away from it, go see family, all that kind of stuff. So that's important too. Uh, but you know, on, on the scheme side, you can you can maybe carry a little bit more into a game, add a few more wrinkles. Um, you could use it if you wanted to, just kind of as almost like a pre like uh like a camp almost in terms of what you're doing to look at these next four games. You can kind of use the extra prep time for those as well. Not just maybe this first one, but kind of look at all of them going forward because you need two to make a bowl. So they're all pretty important coming out, not just this first one off the bye. So um, that I would be interested to see kind of if, if you could get some true serum into these guys. How much was spent on this next week? How much was spent on Temple? How much was spent on Charlotte? Because uh, it would be interesting to see if any of the uh, delineation of time got moved to those two games. Uh, instead of all focus on Memphis. So uh, you can do a lot. You can do a lot of things. It kind of depends on how you want to move your time around. But I think for this team, the most important thing is probably getting that extra week for guys to rest and recuperate. Because even guys that were playing a lot, you had a lot of dudes banged up. So that extra week should be good. should get you back and ready for the stretch run here where you've got four in a row and you need two of them. Yeah, it kind of leads us into – we're just going to do it. We haven't really done it much this season. Uh, some predictions that, again, we, we kind of covered USF football uh, during the bye week, so there's really not much uh, new things to kind of discuss. And we wanted to make sure we covered the injuries, kind of get Nick and Vito's take on on the season and, and Seth's kind of input on, on what how important a bye week is. Um, Seth, you wanted to – I do have one question. I do have one question for the group. Any are there any freshmen you want to see? We're because we're in that we're in that kind of four game where guys that hadn't played yet are kind of would be available. Is there anybody you guys want to see? Like I know I would love to see Jaquan Smith if he's only even if he's only returning punts or returning kicks. I'd love to see him get some looks. Uh any other guys that stick out for for you or anybody? that maybe you're hoping to get a look at these last four games. I'm, I want to be more of a Skinner. I, I, I'm choosing a, a cop-out answer of guys already kind of played a good bit, but I mean, from the little bit that we saw, I mean, he's a freshman and he, he made a, a couple mistakes there in the Utah game, but uh, dude's good. <laughs> dude's a, dude's a dog. 
Yeah, I thought he played really well coming in. And the pass pro was really good down the stretch when you needed longer time to throw because you were trying to push in, in that intermediate window. What about Vito, Nick? Any any guys you want to see? That was going to end up being mine until Steve said it. Uh, it seemed like uh, Cole Skinner coming in changed the trajectory of that offensive line, whether it was just um, um, him just kind of being a, a fresh set of legs if maybe their injuries are involved, but it seemed to really help that offensive line. I mean, you're right. I, I do think uh, Jaquan Smith would be fun to see, but like I'll, I'll throw a wrench in there. We've seen him a little bit, but Tyree Kelly getting a little more, um, little more run. I think there's some dynamic receivers on this team that are underclassmen. That would be really great to see uh, what they can do. But I also understand you, you want, you don't want to throw somebody out there that could possibly make a mistake either on the route tree or, uh, you know, there's reasons why there are guys ahead of them. But from, from the offensive perspective, those would be guys I'd love to see, um, see see what they can do uh, differently or see what they can bring to the table differently. Um, unless you have packages for Izzy Carter. Yeah, that, that's another one. Yeah, I'm with you guys with uh, Jaquan Smith. Just to, you know, just to mix in some more skill position guys just to see what they can do. You know, obviously, you know, the depth – Still, still trying to build depth at um at the receiver position, and obviously, you know, you recruit this kid. He's supposed to be the real deal. Like he's supposed to be the real deal. Let's let's see him. Let let's like throw him out there and just see what he can do. These last four games. Yeah, ten four hundred meters or something like that, guy. Whew. Uh, just tell him to run straight down the field. <laughs> just give him a yeah, couple. Just, of that. Run cool. straight, throw straight. Yeah. <laughs> Nate, anybody, anybody for you? Uh, no, I mean, this team is competitive enough to make a bowl game. So I, I like it's the, the the weird balance of like, all right, you want to stay competitive, but you also want to get some guys some reps. But like, are you, do you really want to waste it when you're like in the throes of a game? Like, are are we really going to break out an Izzy Carter package at Memphis? Probably not. Um, I, maybe Temple, okay. like a, a home, a home game where maybe it's early on. You, you, I don't know. I, from what I understand, Izzy Carter's just not ready for college football quite yet. Um, from people I've spoken with, um, it's been a- but he will get there eventually, and that's why Byron Brown has kind of cemented himself as the starting quarterback ahead of everybody else. Um, and he's played pretty well for the most part. So, you know, when you're averaging over 304 yards per game of total offense, you kind of have a longer leash and you, you don't have to worry about looking over your shoulder. Um, especially when I don't think the other options are better. So Nathan, um, you know, a perfect game that guys can play in the, the bowl, bowl game. game. There's that game. fantastic time for them to do that. Absolutely. I, and I, I just want to like, I'll, I'll just add on top of that for the bowl game, it, getting a bowl game is more than just getting that extra game, but all that extra practice with the new coaching staff, especially with a young team, like that is pays off dividends. And it's almost like a little cheat code. Cause if you miss out, if you miss out on those, those two weeks of practice every year, that adds up, especially for, you know, p- keeping guys engaged, keeping them out of, uh, you know, you know, keeping them part of the team, part of the family for the for the remainder of the year, like to pretty much say by Thanksgiving you're you're over. What you're if you get a bowl game, you essentially have an entire month for the most part, if, depending on when your when your game is, that you're still engaged together. And I think that definitely means a lot. Um, uh, granted, I I didn't play college sports, but 
I'm assuming it helps you stay engaged a lot during that time period and uh, would, would help and, and pay dividends for this team. Of course, well, of all the benefits of being in a bowl game. What's crazy now, too, is like, uh, you know, you can get recruits come in and practice with the bowl for the bowl. Like if Florida makes a bowl, they have their quarter, the kid that's their quarterback is like a big deal. He said he's coming into practice. That's happened. That's happened uh, at a couple other. I know last year it happened at a couple other spots where guys graduate high school early. They come in and start practicing with the team. Uh, so that could, I don't know if it maybe it might depend on, like you said, when your bowl game is. But if you make, if you continually make bowl games, so let's say it's two extra weeks of practice. If you got a fifth year player, that's almost another entire season worth of practices that that guy will have gone through. I mean, that is really important. So, um, and that's, I think something that count that it's a compounding effect, right? It, it'll every year grow and grow and grow. So that is important. So yeah, like Nate said, maybe, maybe you don't see a lot of these guys, but you know, maybe if, you know, you get one of these scores gets a little loopy or you can just get a couple plays here and there. Like for me, Jaquan Smith return kickoffs. If you feel like you can trust them not to fumble the ball type thing, it, hey man, take these kickoffs. Maybe you don't. You get one shot in these four games because the other they kick, kick through the end zone. But give them a shot there. That, that's kind of what I was hoping to maybe see with some of these guys. But we'll see. Agreed. Uh, let's end it with some predictions. Vito, Bulls plus thirteen and a half on the road at Memphis this week. You can give me the score prediction or if they will just cover and or not cover. I, I <laughs> Bulls had two weeks to prepare for this and Memphis had a scare against North Texas. I think that they are beatable, but I just am very curious about uh, if they're if injury woes or they were able to, to heal up to kind of help that side of the ball. Because it seems like if the defense gives up a ton of points, it's hard for the offense to come uh to, to to come back so uh, I think that's part of it I'm going to go ahead and say I think the Bulls cover I don't think they win this is on the road Memphis is is, is looking really really good right now and I just think it's, it's going to be another step in the right direction of um, looking at what this team can do but they just need to uh, probably need to tighten up a little bit more on the defensive side I think they'll cover it'll probably Memphis seems to always score at least 38 points a game so I think it'll be something like 42-32 or something in that case I think USF Keeps it competitive, but uh, they don't come away with the victory this Saturday. Steve? I got uh, 48-42. Memphis wins. Um, I think the offense can do enough to to keep up here. They can fire on all cylinders. Goal seemed really confident in what Byron was doing, especially uh, late against UConn there. Um, You know, he kind of emphasized the press conference. He's like, you had a really good fourth quarter. Uh, you need to start doing that first three quarters of the game. Um, I think with two weeks to prepare, you're you're probably putting a pretty good game plan at that point to to come out firing. I, I just think offensively, Memphis has too much talent that USF probably won't be able to, you know, keep up with it at times. I, I do think it's going to come down to a little bit of a closer game than most people are expecting. Um, you know, some mistakes might come back to haunt USF here and there. I love the aggressive nature, but sometimes the aggressive nature can come back to bite them in the ass. I think this is the end that's going to bite them in the ass this year. Nick? Yeah, it would, it would just be cool to see this program, like, just step up and take down a opponent that they're 
um, not favorite, not favorite against an underdog against. It's been a while since we've seen them truly upset a, an upset a better team. But I have uh, Memphis forty one, USF twenty seven. Um, Seth Hannigan is a veteran quarterback, um, and then Blake Watson, their running back, is incredible. And I just don't see this team like standing up to totally stop them for four quarters. You know they'll they'll get their points on the they'll get their points on the board, but I just they're just not. I don't think they're they're quite ready to like make to step up to a team like Memphis that's a legitimate AAC title contender. Maybe next year it's a different we're talking we're having a different conversation. Just not this year. I think this game will go kind of similar to what the Western Kentucky game was early in the season where they showed some fight, but ultimately you just get beat by a veteran team with a veteran quarterback. So yeah, Memphis 41, USF 27. So yeah, I you know, this one um, is interesting just in terms of both teams are pretty bad at stopping explosive plays, so you feel like it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game. Nathan and I were talking on the Ponderosa, which is in the future, about how nice it would be <laughs> uh, how nice it would be to win this one and then have the Temple game be the game you need to make to, for bowl eligibility instead of you know winning Temple, losing the two you're probably supposed to lose, and then having Charlotte be the one at the end of the year, just for uh, everybody's heart, it would be a little bit better. Um, I don't think that's going to happen though. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take Memphis. Uh, I'm going to say like 48 to 30. Uh, I think Memphis probably covered. I, I just, I just haven't seen enough from the defense against good offenses and the pace at which USF's offense plays gives people a lot of chances. And I think the more times you give Memphis the football, that's just going to take their point total up, up, and up because they're really good down to down. So, um, you know, I, I think we're probably in for a Memphis cover, but you know, turnovers and all those kind of things can change that, and hopefully it does. But yeah, I think Memphis gets close to fifty. Yeah, I don't, I don't see this USF defense stopping Memphis enough times to stay competitive, regardless of what the offense does. I think. Memphis wins, Memphis covers, um, but Seth, as you mentioned, it'd be really cool if it didn't come down to the cool season. Yeah. Um, I don't. I think winning the two games that you're supposed to win, in you know, in theory, against Temple and against Charlotte, is a step in the right direction. I think the step after, I think that's the first step. Right, beat the teams you're supposed to beat. The next step is be the team you're not supposed to be. And, you know, I don't know if it has to be, okay, now you beat the teams that you're supposed to be, and then you do that. I don't know if you can do it vice versa. But, um, yeah, I don't see it happening this week, and I don't see it happening two weeks from now uh, at UTSA either. But show some life. Don't get blown out. Don't give up 56. That'd be, That'd be good. Don't, don't give up a 50-burger. That's, uh, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Um, and with that, that has been another episode of Pod by the Bay. As always, go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.